Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today, September 22nd, 2022, we continue our series, Chronicles of the Kingdom. This is Lesson 37, Return to Me. As many Believers know this weekend coming up represents the time of the uh, high holidays or high festivals for the Jewish people. They will be celebrating Rosh Hashanah, the Ten Days of Awe, Yom Kippur, Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Tabernacles. So for Christianity and its history, uh, this is a significant time. There's much prophetic meaning in the biblical feasts. And so, as we start today's lesson, Return to Me, we're going to reference the Day of the Lord. Now, next week, I will specifically talk more about the Day of the Lord. Today, we're just going to make lots of references to it. But let's begin in Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. It says, And yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So, we're going to talk about returning to the Lord. Because truly, in this day, in this time, our society, our nation, is definitely turned away from God's ordinances that were laid out by our forefathers. We're not the same country that our grandparents lived in. And in many ways, our nation has rejected the Lord. And yet the call of the Lord is there that in moments like this, if we will return to him, he will return to us. And so just like in the past, many generations of Christians have always looked to the future and for the return of Jesus Christ, much of what he's already promised us is already available to us now. Yes, we eagerly await for his coming, but there's a much of the kingdom of God coming that he's already given and is available to us now. So we're going to talk about those things that are available to us now and also in relation to the coming of the day of the Lord. If you have a Bible, please join with me. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what does this have to do about returning to the Lord or the second coming? Well, I need to establish something before we get too much into that. So we're going to look at some Greek words. And here in Philippians 2.12, 
There's a word used that is translated as presence. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence. That word presence is a Greek word, parousia. Now, in the Greek, the word coming is translated 125 times in the New King James. Most of the times, the word coming is a Greek word, ekoami, or ekoami, excuse me. However, on 22 occasions, the word parousia is translated as coming. But we need to understand that parousia can also be translated as presence, which is what is happening here, not as in my presence. And the word parousia literally means a near, a being near someone. It comes from the word uh, paramai, which means to be near or at hand. Uh, the para portion of it means near. The mi is an emphatic I exist. So, in context, this primary meaning of parousia could mean coming presence or advent. And when we say advent, we re- we associate that with coming or return. We're getting ready to come into the Christmas season. That is the advent season. We celebrate the coming of the Lord. And so, when you understand that it's a coming presence, we look at Philippians, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, it's you've obeyed not as in my coming presence. In other words, I'm going to come and arrive, and therefore you are obeying. But not much more, but now much more my absence. So here Paul is saying, uh, you're obeying me, not just because I'm coming, my, I'm physically, my presence is coming to be with you, but also because I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm absent. We see the same thing in 2 Corinthians 10.10. 10. It's written, for his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. It's easy to see the word presence, and here Paul is writing about people that are talking about Paul, and they say his they say his letters are powerful and weighty, but his bodily presence. And so it gives the image that when he's standing there before you, his body is weak in his presence. But that's not what it means. It means that his bodily presence, his bodily coming to you in his presence is weak and speech contemptible. So they were, it was implied that it's not that him standing there. It's that his coming to deal with this is going to be weak. Uh, that was the accusation that was being thrown. And we need this understanding because to really talk about return, the return of the Lord, and we're going to talk about returning to him, but in context with these holidays and where we are in our lessons, I'm going to talk a little bit about the day of the Lord, and I will specifically deal with the day of the Lord next week, but we're going to talk about some of that today. And if you go over to 1 Thessalonians 3.13, we're going to look at this presence, coming presence, manifestation of Jesus. First Thessalonians 3.13 So that he, Jesus, may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. And that coming is that parousia, his coming 
presence, his advent. So his advent is coming to be established in our hearts. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Least you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Now, when we look at this passage in Thessalonians chapter 4, we, we understand this is very explicit in talking about the return of Jesus Christ. A day of the Lord. This is his visible return. And it uses that word parousia, the coming presence of the Lord. And when that happens, there will be this voice of the archangel, a trumpet of God, and he descends from heaven. And it's important to understand and be able to distinguish in context this parousia because there is this coming presence of the Lord that is a manifest presence of his spirit in us through the Holy Spirit. But yet there's also this coming presence where he is physically going to return to us, to this planet, to the earth. And it will not be something that will be missed. On a side note, there are many in the church today that want to dismiss the rapture. The rapture is not a biblical thing. It's not in the Bible. But the word rapture is taken from the Greek. I mean, excuse me, not the Greek, the Latin word rapture. That's it's Latin. It's not English. It's not Greek. It's Latin. And it means caught up. And so we get the whole term of rapture right here in this one. It says, therefore, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Caught up would be rapture. And so anytime someone says there's no rapture, then they're denying that we're being caught up. And so there is a rapture. It's just the theological when and how that will happen is really the argument. Um, to say there's no being caught up, you'd have to white out this verse. Um, but again, that's not the topic today. We're talking about the Lord and coming back to the Lord. And these things need to be talked about because religion, with all of its sectarianism, splitting us up, causing division, this is the work of the enemy. And God wants to restore to us. Remember that we've been talking about that so much in these lessons about the redemption and restoration that God is doing in our lives and how we can live that. And the enemy wants to keep us divided. And we as believers, the faith and power of the kingdom of God cannot grow in us, cannot manifest in us, if we want to walk in disunity. Now, obviously, there's some people we, we call not to be unequally yoked with. And so I'm not talking about that. But 
we, we need to find those like-minded brothers and sisters and be unified with them and then attempt to be as unified as we can, even with brothers and sisters we disagree with. Um, it's not about us gossiping and talking bad and stirring dissension. Um, we need to lift that lie, but we need to, to find brothers and sisters that we can really be unified with and understand that the, quote, fire of God, that 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 presence of God, the power of God is going to increasingly manifest in our lives as we come together in the love of God and we really lay down our lives. And when I say lay down our lives, we're laying down our lives for the Lord, for him, for his, his calling. Second Thessalonians, we're going to continue in Thessalonians a little bit. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, says, When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed, therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of the, of the uh, grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive me for getting tongue-tied this morning. But again, we, we look at that, and we see that when the Lord comes in that day, that he says what? To be glorified in his saints. And yet today, this presence of Jesus is carrying us from glory to glory. We are being changed today. We are being saved Today, we're in the process of sanctification. I am sanctified, but I am being sanctified. I'm going from glory to glory, but there will be that day which he will be glorified. That's sort of a past tense. The, the full glory of God is manifested in those of us who believe. I like that because our testimony among you was believed. If, if you and I, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ today, it's because you believe the testimony that's written here in the scripture. We heard and we believed. And because of that, God is going to be glorified in us. And notice it goes on to say that this is accomplished for the for his good pleasure but and the work of faith and power. I like it. He's going to fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. So he's is his goodness is his pleasure. That's why he's doing it. But it's also being accomplished by the work of faith with power. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. So there's a lot of believers that are chasing out signs and miracles, and they're going to conferences and this and that. They're looking for God moving. But you know, you want to see the power of God moving. You need to apply your faith into the work that He's doing in you, so that the power of God can move in you, in you and I, so that He is glorified. He's glorified in us. And then we're glorified in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's so important. So many Christians, we, we struggle with issues of the flesh and we we battle this and that. And some of us battle temptations and some of us just roll over. We just roll over. We go, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of doing this. But we have to, we have to grab a hold of what? I'm going to believe the testimony that was given to us. I'm going to believe. I want the work of faith in my life. In other words, I'm going to apply my faith. So why? So the power of God is manifested in me. 
I want the power of God to manifest in me. How does that power of God manifest in me? He helps us to overcome. No, we he's not going to magically make us perfect tomorrow, but we should see victories in our life. We should we should continually be overcoming things. Um, we should be growing and maturing. And I use that word growing and maturing. I like that because obviously the older you get, you look back and you go, man, when I was younger, I, I did this stupid thing. I did that stupid thing. I can't believe I, I pulled that off. Uh, man, the mercy of God, I shouldn't be alive today. God kept me alive. And we look back at those things when we were younger and we can see the growth that we know, man, I'm older and wiser we don't want to say better, but we are. We, we, we become better people because of, of, of maturity. And that's the way it is of walking with the Lord. As we're walking in faith, His power is manifested in us. And we, over time, begin to look back and go, man, I can see that God has matured me. He's, he's making me better. No, I'm not perfect, but compared to where I was, I feel like I'm almost perfect. No, we're not. You know, feelings can be deceptive, yes. But when you look back, you should see that type of growth that you, you, you feel, man, I feel more holy than I was yesterday. It doesn't mean I'm completely holy, but I should look back and go, man, I feel better today than I did the other day, last year, 10 years ago. We should feel and experience this power working in us. And I know there's times that I get our feelings lied to us and we don't feel very, very good. But when we look back over time, that should encourage us. Especially when we're down, we're not, we're feeling defeated. We're not doing well. We should be able to look back and go, the Lord has been with me. He has moved. I remember when I was here and God brought me through it. Now I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm better. I'm better for this. And we see this growth. We need to see this. Um, Hebrews eleven twenty nine. for our God is a consuming fire. And yes, it, he's, he's going to be a fire. He's coming to purify us and cleanse us. And it's that purifying work. Of the Lord, that fire of God is going to burn up things that aren't of Him. But if we believe we are His child, then we're of Him, and we 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 pass through, and we are refined, and that's a beautiful process. Hebrews twelve twenty five to twenty eight. See that you do not refuse Him who speaks, for they did not escape who refuse Him who spoke on earth. Much more shall we not escape. If we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shall shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Let's continue. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as the things that are made. That the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. There's a lot of pause sometimes as I read, because there's so much being said here. The, the Lord is speaking so much. He says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. Of course, the him here is the Lord. It's, it's, that's why it's capitalized in your Bible. We don't want to refuse God when he speaks to us. He's speaking to you and I today to now. Don't refuse to listen. It says, for if they did not escape, who refused him who spoke on earth? Listen, there are people that when Jesus came, he spoke, Jesus came and spoke on earth. And people that refused him did not escape. 
They don't escape judgment. And I'm not just talking about the Romans coming in AD 70 and destroying things. And uh, No, I'm talking about they didn't escape the judgment that when they, they died and they stood before the Lord, they don't escape. They, they didn't escape then. And it goes on to say, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? Today, when God speaks and you hear his voice, when the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, and you hear him, you understand he's speaking to you from heaven. Even if the Holy Spirit speaks through a man, like me or someone else, and it's like a man speaking, but it's really the Spirit of God, and you hear it, you hear his voice through somebody else, it's still the Lord coming from heaven. It's not the man and his voice. It's the Lord speaking to you from heaven. And we we can't just refuse that. He says, whose voice then shook the earth. You know, the, the voice of the Lord shakes the earth. When the disciples went out after Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit was put on their lives and they went to towns and towns, in the book of Acts, they walk into a town and they said, whoa, are the people that turned the world upside down, they've come to our town. In other words, they had heard what these people were doing and it was so shaking of culture. They said they've turned the whole world upside down. How can a man just talking turn the world upside down? They can't, but God can. When God's voice speaks, it, it, it takes your whole world and it flips everything on its head and you don't know what's happening. And yet, once more, when the Lord returns in that day, he will literally shake the earth and there is no escape. There's no escape when that whole earth literally shakes at his voice. And he goes on and says, and yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as things that are made. The things that cannot be shaken may remain. What's that cannot be shaken? If the kingdom of God is in you, then you are standing upon a rock that cannot be shaken. That's why Jesus gave the parable about building your, your house on the sand or on the rock. If you have received Jesus Christ in your life, you're his child. You're living in his kingdom. His kingdom cannot be shaken. The Lord Jesus in you cannot be shaken. So when the Lord shows up and shakes everything, whether it's just everything you know and understand or literally the ground we walk on, when that happens, if you're standing upon the kingdom of God, you cannot be shaken. Why? Because those things in him remain. When God shakes and everything falls down and yet you somehow remain that that can happen the whole world people have gone through wars and and hardships and and everyone around them is dying and they should die and yet somehow they live somehow they come out unscathed somehow and we scratch our head we say how because god has a way of taking things that belong to him and they, it can't be shaken and it says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, so we have this kingdom. We know that God has us secure. It says, let us have grace. In other words, we're not supposed to stand in judgment of those beings shaken. We're supposed to have grace. We're supposed to, man, God has offered me this forgiveness. God has offered me this, this pardon. I should ooze with this pardon. I should ooze with grace. It produces mercy and compassion in our lives and we use that what by which we may serve god acceptably with reverence and godly fear so suddenly we serve god 
out of this mercy, compassion that's come because we've received his grace. And I get to this point and you're like, but what does this have to do about returning? Returning to the Lord, return to me. I almost was to say, come on, believer. Come on, people. Look outside. Look at the craziness that's going on with the world. If some of you are not paying attention to what's going on in the world, and I, I know our media doesn't tell you, there there is chaos going on in the world. There are nations that are beginning to move into starvation. There are nations that do not have electricity. I heard a report coming out of Haiti. They haven't had electricity for months and months now. And there's no more because of the fuel issue. You think we have high fuel prices. Other countries were high before we were high. And countries like Haiti, they can't get gas. There's no gas in the country. The country can't afford it. There's no gas going in. And so people have been running electricity off of generators. And those people are now running out of gas. There's no gas in the country. That country's about to go in the dark. And they're not the only one. There are there are many countries, places in the world, there's no electricity, there's no gas, there's no fuel, there's no food. And the world is plunging into chaos, and yet our media remains silent on it. They may talk about Ukraine and the bad Russians, but there's there's chaos going on. And we are drawing closer and closer to the day of the Lord. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen. The, the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. I, I don't know. Maybe it happens tomorrow. Maybe it happens in a thousand years. I do not know. But I do know this. I look outside and we are drawing closer. We're drawing closer. And so what should that do to us? What should that do to you and me? Well, let's hear the word of the Lord. James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your, your hearts, you double-minded. The answer is clear. We are to draw near to the Lord. The Lord is saying, return to me. If if you if you if you sin, if your hands are not clean and pure, God's saying, come purify your heart. I will cleanse you. I will cleanse you. You're double-minded. Listen, the United States is full of double-minded Christians. We say we love Jesus, and we, we acknowledge that. And yet we go to work and we lie and we bend and we drink and we party and we we we're stressed out, so we take drugs to deal with our stress. Listen, this is going to, it sounds harsh, but it's true. If we're using a substance to get rid of our stress rather than the Lord, it's a sin. It's a sin. And it's a matter of the heart. I'm not against medicines. I'm not against these things. But when we replace God with an object, no matter what it is, it's a sin. And we're double-minded. That's being double-minded. We're serving two masters. God says, draw near to him. He's not angry in the way that we think of anger. His anger is reserved for the day. The day. The day of the Lord. That's what his anger is reserved for. Right now, he's asking you to draw near to him so he can cleanse us. Psalm 73, 26-28. My flesh and my heart fell. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all your works. 
Again, this sums it up. My heart and my flesh, they fell. Man, I, I, I really want to do the right thing and I didn't do the right thing. I failed God. But says what? But God is the strength of my heart and my portion. God is should be our strength. And he's the strength of our heart. If our heart runs from the Lord, we become far from him. If our heart draws near to God, he draws near to us. But if our heart runs from God and we become far away, it says, For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. Now, we talked about the harlot and Babylon. We talked about these things on some earlier lessons. If you've not heard those lessons, I encourage you to go listen to those. But when your heart gets far from God, we become harlots. We we begin to serve other gods, other things. No, you may not be erecting a statue and, and worshiping, but we do. We worship money. We worship uh, people. We worship things and items and we worship ourselves, you know, that makes us a harlots. And that's what happens when we, when our heart becomes far from God is we fall in love with other things and we become a harlot and we desert God. Verse 28, it is good for me to draw near to God. Draw near to him. Put your trust in him because he's declaring to you his works. And then Isaiah 44, 22, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions. And like a cloud, your sins return to me, for I have redeemed you. Beautiful picture. The Lord says, listen, it doesn't matter the harlotry you've committed in your past. It doesn't matter the sins. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what sin you committed five minutes ago or 15 years ago. It doesn't matter. God says that he's going to blot those out. That it's, he's, he's redeemed you. He's paid the price. For your sins, now you can return to him. You don't have to fear the judgment for sin. He's 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 cleaned that out. And I love that I've blotted out like a thick cloud. It's interesting. In Revelation, for people who do not repent, it says that he blots your name out of the book of life. And you have to understand when we're talking about returning, we've talked about the great falling away. If you're not in him, if you're not in the book of life, if you're not saved, you can't fall away. You can't be blotted out. I know my once saved, I always say brothers will flip out at this, but if, if, if you're once saved, always saved, then you can't be blotted out. But you can be blotted out. And not only that, but we see that God's going to blot out, blot out our sins. This means you've committed your sins, but you know what? He's going to blot them out. He's going to cover them over. It's like giant white out, or for those in this next generation, he just uses the delete. He uses that delete button. He cleans out your sins, and you're redeemed. You're a new work, like brand new. And that happens when you return to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that those listening would hear your voice, would hear your love and concern, God, that, Lord, there is a day coming. There is a day, God, that, None of us want to face without you, Lord. And there's a day this world is going to have to face. And God, we hear you crying out. You love us. You've paid for this to turn our heart to you and return to you. Father, I pray that those 
that are listening now, God, if they feel like there's something that has separated them, if they feel like they've fallen short, God, that they would hear your voice and they would return to you, God, that they would come and feel your embrace, your love, God, your acceptance, God, that you would cleanse them, God, of their sin, God, and that they would begin to experience, God, your power in them, God, that they would know, God, that you're working, God, to bring them from glory to glory, God, that you will fulfill your promise of being glorified in them, God. And they are yours, God. They are your children, and they will stand before you unshaken, God. Lord, I thank you, God, that you've offered us this salvation. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can find lessons like this on Chronicles of the Kingdom at our website, ChristianImpact.net. And until next time, God bless.